Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we continue here on G's Power Hour this week to celebrate the different careers that are out there as our students get ready to go back to school. So the students may not be listening, but moms, dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, mentors, anybody out there, that want to, you know, maybe get a little insight on different careers out there and you see something special in a child out there and you kind of want to nudge them a certain way or you want to learn lessons in terms of what to do or not to do, we are just trying to provide that this week, just a little bit of insight. There's so much out there. Um, We want to thank uh, the people that have already been on uh, to talk about different careers in the culinary arts, in uh, sociology and criminology, you know, and so today we are bringing back um, one of our favorites because, um, like, like I just told her, she's not shy. She will tell it just like it is, T-I-S, as they say. And, um, you know, she's got a unique perspective on a lot of things, and I really enjoy speaking with her or having her speak. Uh, the warrior princess, daughter of the Most High, Nadine Brown, is on with us today. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you, and glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me again. Oh, always a pleasure, always. So, ma'am, where do we begin? You are an immigration attorney here in Central Florida, but um, tell us about your career start. How did you get there? What was the trigger and, and, you know, what were you facing in terms of making this journey to this point? Well, um, my journey began at the University of Florida, um, where I did my undergraduate degree in political science and then went to graduate school to do a master's in Latin American studies, which a concentration in political science, Caribbean studies, African diaspora studies, and then eventually law um, Of course, my journey didn't start there because I'm an immigrant uh, who grew up in South Florida and having been um, in South Florida where there's just a microcosm of the world, essentially immigrants from all over, similar to Central Florida, uh, were there. I got to mix and mingle in my middle school and high school um, tracks uh, with uh, people from all over. So that kind of ignited a, a seed, I think, that I had based on my own immigrant experience and also coming in contact with people from different parts of the world as well, 
primarily from Latin America and the Caribbean, um, to kind of initiate this desire that I had while I was going through my academic programming to become eventually an immigration attorney. Um, the path did not start directly there. When you're in school or when you're young, you think you're invincible and you're going to conquer the world and make change, and you can on a grand scale, but even more so on an individualized basis. So for me, the journey started probably in secondary school, uh, junior high, and then kind of grew um, as my understanding of the world evolved and my understanding of my own identity and what I could and could not do based on who I am, where I am, and the time that I'm living in. Um, so in, in, a, in a nutshell, it started early, um, but it kind of developed as life detoured and took me in, in ways that I had not expected to get me to where I am, but a lot of it had to do with my own personal experiences with people in my life. So your career was pretty much determined not necessarily by uh, uh, just like one chance encounter. It was your previous life experience, uh, your your whole being kind of determined, you know, what you were going to do in terms of your career. You allowed it to, to dictate and form and shape what you've become now, right? Pretty much. I mean, there's some people who are driven by a, an innate passion for or talent for certain um, areas of industry or, um, you know, the arts and sciences. There's some people that are, you know, geared towards sciences and they're so um, intrigued by, uh, you know, technology or by biomedicine or by biology. Um, and there are other people that are creative, you know, beings where they're into the arts, um, music, um, you know, those areas. And sometimes there's others of us that are trying to find our way. Um, and for me, it was always trying to make a difference because I saw as an immigrant how people were treated differently um, based on who they were and where they came from and what American culture was. Um, and so for me, it was kind of more a holistic um, journey and just be once you become self-aware uh, what I thought I could do or be um, in society, different from where maybe my parents were pushing me or their aspirations. Uh, some people are driven by what their parents tell them they can do. Some cultures it's you're going to do, you know, law or medicine because those are definite um, career paths that will lead to financial success and stability. Um, other people it's, you know, do whatever um, makes your heart happy and it can still pay your bills. Um, for other people, it's just, you know, they don't have the same opportunities um, that many of us uh, have been exposed to, whether it's, you know, not being able to go to college because they can't afford it or they weren't encouraged in a certain way. But for me, it was a holistic, wh what am I going to do? And I think my parents probably instilled that much in me to, to go and, and be the best that you can be at whatever it is that you do, not necessarily law, but anything, you know, that you have a passion and desire for. So tell me, it seems like, I mean, you are, to me, a very determined, uh, stubborn, but in a good way, I will not be moved type of person. But I'm sure there were some things along the way that made you kind of second guess your path. Talk about the challenges that you encountered along the way. 
So, you know, as human beings, we all experience doubt of varying degrees, and I'm no different from anybody else. And um, going through high school, um, it was, you know, which one of us is not like the other ones. I went to uh, um, sort of a magnet school, um, Nova High School in in, uh, Davie, Florida, which is kind of a hybrid um, magnet experiment um, born out of Nova University um, Southeastern. Um, So a lot of affluent kids went to my school who were already on a college track, and that was kind of like the farthest thing for me because my parents were immigrants working two and three jobs and didn't have the resources. Um, You know, I learned about scholarships and, and trying to be determined to at least succeed. I was in a, a household that um, was, to a certain extent, uh, toxic or not healthy, and so I needed to find a way out, and the only way that I saw was education, um, not just what my parents encouraged, um, despite all the things that they were going through, but to me that was a ticket. Uh, so I kind of focused in on that and excelled um, I don't know that I necessarily had any self-doubt because that's the furthest thing from your mind when you're just in survival mode and you're thinking, I just got to get out of here um, mm-hmm. and just be driven or you know, singularly focused in that regard. And then when I got to college, uh, University of Florida on partial scholarship, it was you know, staying focused on I need to get through this. So it was more survival than anything else. Um, I did experience some self-doubts when you get your, you know, end-of-semester grade papers, um, but it was focused on I'm here. You know, God had a purpose for me to actually be here living, breathing, so I'm going to make the most of it and learn what I can, how and when I can, um, despite whatever challenges. And I think that's a part of the immigrant experience uh, and the immigrant framework that we kind of, many of us, um, I should say, uh, you know, view or the lens with which we view the world. So whatever we're given, sink or swim, despite the obstacles uh, and hindrances, we will make it um, in one shape, <laughs> way, or fashion. So for for me, it was getting through high school graduation. Um, the challenges were more social integration and assimilation uh, than they were academic. Um, as well when I went to college. University of Florida um, is a big land-grant university, overwhelming in scope, geography, um, just landmass in and of itself, having to go from one end of campus to the other. Um, so I experienced doubt in could I get up at 7, <laughs> seven o'clock to make a 725 class, um, but never in my skill level will I achieve or finish this class. I was fortunate to never be on academic probation because failure is, is never an option. It's how can I succeed or course correct if I need to because I'm getting out of here. So to your point that determination is probably a core foundational aspect of who I am, that is for sure. Um, oh, yeah. So it wasn't <laughs> – <laughs> No, <laughs> no and I mean, as long as I've known you, that that has just been it, you know, it's like your determination, your, your fierceness in, in terms of just getting stuff done. Um, there's, I, I don't know anyone that is, is like that um, to, to that degree, and I really admire that about you. So um, – and so unlike other people that are trying to decide 
when I grow up or whatever, uh, what am I going to do? Am I going to do this or that? It's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's just how am I going to do it that was more the path that you went on. Correct. So, um, and, and, yeah. I, and I appreciate, you know, acknowledging, yes, determination is key. And actually that was a word in fourth grade that I stumbled on when I was doing vocabulary and spelling. So were there hardships and hindrances? Yes, in, in mastering the English language, because even though I come from an English-speaking Caribbean country, that was a part of the Commonwealth of Britain, and we learned the Queen's English. Coming to America was a, a leap as well and learning um, the word determination and determined, and I used to say uh, determined for a very long time until it clicked and I was doing some, you know, reading. Ah. And it was, and that kind of fixed in my spirit as far as I need to be determined and it's just singularly focused on making sure that I accomplish my goals, whatever they are. Um, I didn't know that I always wanted to be a lawyer, um, and you don't have to always know what your your end point career goal is going to be. And over the course mm-hmm. of anyone's life, they may shift or change and evolve as people or their desires in, um, you know, what their work outlook is going to be. So I don't want anyone to ever think that they have to be pigeonholed into a specific career um, because sometimes the industry changes as well, and if you don't adapt to those circumstances, um, it it can be, you know, life-altering or, or jarring for you. So for me, it was to be determined from that fourth-grade um, spelling assignment and pronunciation of the word determined, determined, determination, all the roots that I learned, which was also um, – key and fundamental for, you know, SATs and building vocabulary that I learned also in high school, um, that a lot of your accomplishments is English mastery, um, idiomatic expressions, things that I'm explaining uh, to my child now as I homeschool, is grasping, you know, concepts, not just in, in for English itself, but to anything that you do, whether it's culinary arts, you're going to have to be reading recipes or figuring things out, you know, your ingredient list, um, interacting with people if you're trying to build a business from that, if it's, you know, being a restaurateur um, or, you know, you're working in any other industry, it's always being able to communicate, which is a fundamental aspect of what I do as an attorney. But um, from, I think, from the initial stages primary leading up, it's being determined, learning to communicate effectively, understanding that even if you experience self-doubt or people throw obstacles at you, tell you you can't do something or you shouldn't do something or it's not a profession that a lot of women achieve or succeed at, um, that despite those words um, that people will hurl at you or or put in your place, um, put in front of you to create obstacles or self-doubt, that you can overcome them because that's essentially what we are. And, you know, overcomers, achievers. Um, And if you're a believer, then you know that you're more than a conqueror in Christ. So those are my fundamental belief systems, and and that's kind of what's a driver for me. So determined fiercely, yes. We are going to take a quick break. Um, Can't wait to come back to talk more with Immigration Attorney Nadine Brown, if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Glad to have back Attorney Nadine Brown. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So, Nadine, were certain assumptions made? Did you encounter certain assumptions that were made about you on your career path in terms of, well, you know, naturally she was going to do this because of X, Y, Z, or naturally uh, she's going to, let's say, uh, favor certain people because of what her heritage is. And so, you know, she's not necessarily going to be um, objective in how she approaches her, you know, her career or her job. Do you get any kind of backlash so over the course of my career, yes, I have. But when I was, um, you know, in undergrad, not so much. Probably the first inclination was law school. Once you get into, like, the, the senior years, you're a 3L and you're about to graduate. Um, you know, a lot of us that are people of color going through a graduate and professional program already have the stigma attached to us, the undercurrents of you know, we're affirmative action enrollees or admittees. Um, so there is that stigma and that un, unspoken uh, hindrance of, you know, who you are and why you're there. Um, so I experienced that in my last year trying to graduate, um, you know, some of the challenges that I had because I was in a seminar. There were not, when I graduated, not a lot of uh, female um, uh, people participating in, in law school, it was maybe about uh, 20% of the profession back then, um, but don't quote me on that. Um, so, But in my class, you know, there was, we were increasing in number, and I was the only female, only person of color in a seminar of 10, uh, 10 individuals and experienced the first time, you know, very blatant racism, sexism from the instructor who had, you know, passed the bar in like 1940-something, so, and he was overt enough to tell me before, you know, our kind, and he meant, I guess, both females and both people of color um, could be admitted to law school, I mean, clearly before the civil rights movement. Um, And that was kind of like an affront to me, created an obstacle to my graduation because he didn't like my my senior writing thesis paper. Um, And so that became discouraging, but I overcame it through the procedural channels that were available to me and, you know, kind of like my first um, uh, 
path to kind of fighting for my degree and also practicing what they taught me as, uh, you know, as an, an attorney in training. Um, and then over the course of my career, I've had people not say that I would be biased, but again, the expectations of what kind of professional you're going to be, you know, the undercurrents of racism, sexism, um, biases to which law school you went to, um, because you're there in the courtroom and they look at you kind of with the side eye like, oh, you went to the University of Florida, um, as if to say, again, you were in an affirmative action um, admittee. Um, but the unspoken elephant in the room was I may have been that got me in the door, that got me a seat at the table, but it does not sustain your career because you still have to produce and you still have to pass that bar exam, which, like your mainstream or majority um, colleagues, had to pass too. So I may have gotten there because of an affirmative action um, admissions policy, but guess what? I passed the bar just like you did, and I'm practicing 25 years out just like you are, still competent, very capable, um, and, you know, equally able to, you know, master the task before me. Um, so there's been doubt as far as my competence and capability because of my race or my sex, um, but that's not to define who I am or the kind of professional that I am and whether other people in their minds have doubts about my abilities. It does not speak to who I am or what I can do, and so I don't let that, you know, hinder me because everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the end-all, be-all of me, even if you're my boss or you're in a position of power because uh, sometimes, you know, you just have to be determined that irrespective of how other people see you, it's how you see yourself and how God has defined you. And if I'm a masterpiece um, made in the likeness and image of Almighty God, then who are you to tell me that I'm anything other than that? And that's, you know, honestly my opinion. And from I was a child up, you know, going to Sunday school and, and, and knowing who I am, irrespective of the grief or the negative, derogatory, discouraging comments that I've received, that's what stuck with me. And that's the only way that I've known to survive um, some of the ill will and malice that people have tried to hurl towards me or other people like me. Um, and that's the, the, the one message I would give to anybody that is facing, you know, the obstacles of their own self-doubt that is rooted in what somebody else has said about them or what they can do or what somebody thinks you can do. It's not that, even though those people may be in positions of power or influence in your life, it's what God has said. It is fascinating and encouraging to me how deeply rooted you are in your faith and how you apply it to your life because I encounter so many people that seem to think that we are supposed to compartmentalize our faith. You know, we don't bring it to work. We don't bring it to school. We, you know, um, you know, but it's so much of a part. It doesn't seem, at least from what I observe and know of you, that it's something that is, is something that's separated out from who you are, whether it's a mom or an attorney or, or whatever it is, you know, it's integrated, it's interwoven in, in terms of the fabric of who you are. And I always, I always say that that is the way 
faith is supposed to be. So when someone says, well, you know, you can't bring faith into this particular situation, I, I personally don't know how not to do it. And I would agree with you there. I mean, it's, you know, part and parcel of who I am as a person. Other people may be able to compartmentalize, but it's it what drives your decision-making process. I mean, part of what I do um, in my career in teasing out how people communicate with one another, what barriers there are to achieving a particular goal, it's what is your fundamental belief? Who are you and why would you choose certain things or certain outcomes and and a lot of it is conflict management. So it has to go to the root core of who you are and how you view the world. Um, you know, I'm a political scientist by nature, and it's, it's you know, how you, you view life and people and how you interact with people. So that is definitely part and parcel. And I look at things more on a holistic level. Um, that's not to say that somebody who doesn't is less than um, or they're just different. But I, I think it's very hard for you to divorce and divest um, how you view the world and how you move in the world. And we can go to work and we can do our job, but how well you do your job speaks to what kind of person you are, what kind of professional you've determined yourself to be, um, whether you, you fully function or you're just trying to get a paycheck. Um, so I think it's it's integral for who you are and when you're choosing your academic career or your professional career that those fundamentals are there or established or in the process of being formed so that you can be the best person that you can be. I mean, Oprah's always saying, you know, live your best life, and, and there's many um, people that are, are, whether it's new age or whatever belief system, you know, power of positive thinking, but fundamentally at the end of the day, it's who are you and why are you here and, and what kind of person do you want to be, whether you're going to be the best you know, janitor and, and housekeeping person, or you're going to be, you know, the best, um, uh, you know, bookkeeper or accountant. Um, so it's just a matter of how you approach your life. And definitely, fundamentally, for me, I know that it is my faith and why I think I'm here. Otherwise, it's what's the point, really? Wow, that is amazing. I, and like I said, it, it warms my heart that they actually hear somebody embrace their faith in in the context of you know the, the total context of who they they are and and not trying to uh separate it out so now you talked about professors in terms of being uh, trying to be a hindrance or or obstacle to you getting to your goals um have you encountered let's say other attorneys or judges or uh professionals that you've had to um, work with uh, to get something done? Have you encountered, uh, I guess, backlash from them or any type of, uh, I guess you could say, sab- attempts to sabotage your efforts in your career? So I think the the practice of law as we understand it now and as I've been engaged in it has been very adversarial. So by nature, it is, you know, pitting people against one another, different goals and objectives, your client's interests, you know, versus my client's interests. So it puts people kind of at odds. Um, and so sometimes it's trying to tease out whether it's the other side just doesn't like you as a person or just your way of doing your job or has, you know, some kind of axe to grind. So sometimes that's very difficult to determine. And in the practice of law, necessarily with colleagues, I have not really experienced that, although, 
you know, people tend to stereotype and have their own biases as to, you know, you're going to be a pushover or you're going to cave when it comes to the negotiating process just because you're a woman, which is very wrong uh, to make an assumption about um, how I go about doing things because by nature we're supposed to be kind of, you know, zealous advocates for your client's interests, sometimes mercenary if you have to be because it's about the rules and regulations and, and at the end of the day, achieving your goal for your for your client. So, um, undercurrents of sexism um, or gender bias, I've probably experienced because you know people are are like, well, you know, you're a little bit too overbearing or you're combative. Um, the stereotypical, you know, African American woman who is you know just an angry black woman, um, not very overtly set, but the undercurrents are there, and it's very subtle ways that people kind of get their message across, but it's really just to to arrest any notions that anybody has and put a stop to it, because you're here as a professional and not as anything else. Um, that's in the negotiation sometimes of, of client cases. When it comes to being in a courtroom, um, most of the judiciary has been gracious and professional. Um, there are some uh, early in my practice. Um, there are some that I encountered that were ultra conservative, um, very you know stereotypical um, expectations of you know women addressing the court. I have had one extremely negative experience more recently, actually, um, that was mm-hmm. um, stunning with a member of the the judiciary in Seminole County that, you know, called me out um, because he just didn't like my advocacy for my client and and um, proceeded to kind of berate and belittle uh, me in open court. Um, but oddly enough, I got him appealed twice and overturned, um, and I think it was just an affront to who he thought he was um, as a character, went so far as to say, you know, I, I thought you learned all the rules that I learned at the University of Florida. Apparently you missed the the course that day um, on professionalism or something to that effect, with, which I thought was an affront um, and just really uncalled for. Um, you know, said that I was not suited to be a lawyer. I should probably be in the legislature because I wanted to change the interpretation of the law as he saw it. And But, of course, the 5th DCA um, which is the Fifth District Court of Appeal, agreed with my position. So apparently I must be a decent attorney that I got him overturned. But it was just, um, you know, jarring to be confronted in open court with somebody saying that you're a bad lawyer and why are you, Why did you show up here again today? Wow. But I just said, well, you know, I just, and I kind of flipped the script and told him thank you for the endorsement for higher office. If I ever decided to run for, for the legislature, I would, you know, note his his position on my ability to practice law, but I'm still here, you know, 25 years um, plus uh, and and still practicing. So um, to the betterment and uh, resolution of of my client interests and issues. Um, But other than that one negative experience, um, most people have been gracious and kind and, and kind of I'm not a person that really, um, even if I feel affronted or, or hint that, I don't let it disrupt, you know, what I'm 
about to do or going to do or am in the process of doing because it speaks more to the speaker or the person that is conducting themselves in that manner than it does to me. Um, I always say look at the source of the information. Who is saying what about you, when, and why? And sometimes it's out of jealousy, out of insecurity, out of powerlessness that they experience. And so from my perspective, I see more of them as compassionate, you know, have a compassionate perspective to say, I feel sorry that you feel that way, um, but I don't accept it. And you move on. So you don't take the slights or the offensive in the way necessarily that they may have been intended to hinder you from accomplishing your directive and your goals and your objectives. That's how I survive. Indeed. <laughs> that is just um, amazing that, because I know for me, you know, just having that kind of self-confidence it just for some reason uh, wasn't – as inherent in me as I would have liked to have been. So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of uh, times where I've second-guessed myself, and it's really it's important to to know who you are and, and to, to just walk in, in face with that. So, it, it, anyway. it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's a part. It's a part and parcel of being resilient and a survivor. So, as much as people will try to crush you and crush your spirit, um, that may be your objective, but it's not mine. I'm a survivor. Okay. We are going to talk more with the survivor, Attorney Nadine Brown, when we come back. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are continuing to celebrate Career Week, a back-to-school version. We are talking with different uh, professionals to talk about uh, their career paths, things that they are involved in, how they would encourage you know, our youth to proceed. And um, if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So, Nadine, what did you, in terms of your particular field, what classes did you take in terms of course selection? And did you have things that you said, oh, I wish I'd have done A instead of B, or or um, I'm glad I did uh, C versus B or whatever? Can you talk about those types of things? So a, lo- a lot of um, life is who you're steered by, whether it's in high school, you have like an academic advisor or guidance counselor, and sometimes those people influence the decisions that you make. For me, it was, um, you know, I was fortunate to have somebody that said, okay, try dual enrollment and so that you'd have and, and you know, kill some college classes while you're in high school. And so I went for that. I was doing the advanced placement AP courses. Um, not because I was an overachiever, but sometimes it's, you want to get it done and you could, you know, accomplish like one semester of college um, already by the time you graduate high school and then not have to pay for it. Because the other driving factor is economics, especially because we live in America and it's like, okay, how can I do this with the least amount of money being spent? Um, so that was a driver for, you know, what courses I, I took, um, what scholarships I sought. Um, when I got to undergrad, um, you know, what path they have, like career development and they have career counseling. 
Um, but a part of it was also a desire that I had to, to find out about my heritage, the African diaspora. So I, I, I took courses in that um, towards an undergraduate um, uh, degree, but primarily focused on political science. And it's like how black people can, you know, maximize their economic and political power in the world was kind of a, a driving seed for me. So I, I did my um, undergraduate degree in political science with a minor in African diaspora studies. Um, and I was always, I guess, self-motivated and an independent learner. So I did a lot of independent um, studies in my senior year. Um, Sometimes I would listen, so there's that degree of, you know, stubbornness and being single-minded in the trajectory, hoping that I would probably do, like, international affairs or some such thing. Really didn't have a clue until things started to, to kind of come together into what my next career path would be. And going from undergraduate um, to graduate studies, it was, okay, so what do I do with a degree in political science? I can't go out, you know, and flip burgers, but I need to make money. Um, and I needed to kind of find out what could you do with that degree. So it was kind of backwards. Some people go in thinking, okay, why even go to college unless you know that the end path is going to be you're going to get a job that, that makes you economically su successful. Um, so I was just determined that how are we as a people going to get economic and political power and how can I be part and parcel of that journey wherever God had for me. And so it, from political science, it sort of was, okay, let me go into law, because at the time in the 1990s, there were not a lot of uh, female attorneys in the profession. They were also giving scholarships. And again, economic driver, I jumped on that and said, okay, if they're giving scholarships for law school and not my preferred, which would have been, you know, some um, – you know, Ivy League College in D.C., and a friend said to me, do you want the student loans to go with that? And I was like, uh, no. So decided that economic being the driver and still being able to accomplish that, that goal of um, empowering myself and also finding out how we, meaning people of color, could, um, you know, get and achieve uh, to some degree to be in the room, um, you know, from – from a, a political perspective and, and decided to go to University of Florida Law School. Um, and then from there just kind of uh, did all the steps that I needed to to achieve graduation, the bar, and then, and then practice. Um, but it was kind of career counselors, you know, friends, uh, you know, putting in their two cents worth or at least helping me talk through the process of how you make a choice. Um, that's going to be beneficial in the long run and still achieve the goals. Um, and then the career path is different once you graduate and you pass all the board exams, um, you know, trying to figure out from there what it is that you need to do to get that first job. Um, some people it's connections or networking. For others of us, it's just whoever will hire you for whatever salary or rate you can get at the time. But Mine wasn't necessarily pre-planned. It was just things that kind of came together, and I and I really ascribe that to the hand of God just kind of working in my life because looking back, I could not have planned it anyway, and I know people who have planned their path and then had to kind of detour away because it's not what they thought it was. You mentioned earlier about affirmative action, and I want to and, – and the impact that it had um, on your – process. 
I want to ask you about your thoughts in terms of uh, the Supreme Court decision and, um, you know, the impact that you think it will have from this point forward. So it was a devastating blow to have the Supreme Court kind of, you know, upend um, that longstanding decision. Um, but I'm a firm believer that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. So even if it's not a good thing, that there's a bigger picture and bigger um, powers and forces at work. Clearly the political um, undercurrents as to why that happened, but that's not to say that um, – it won't affect probably the way people strive to achieve or strive to get into college. I mean, the, the purpose of it, over overturning that decision, was to kind of, I guess, limit access to education, my opinion, um, for, people, for minority people. Um, because, you know, the less education you have, the less economic power you have, the less political power you have, you're already discouraged because of, of obstacles that are put in place. And so if you can't achieve education, then you can't earn as much money as you you would like to earn to get a good living or, or buy a house or participate um, in government. So I think that was the, the specific purpose of it. But I always try to look on the bright side to say, okay, well, what is this telling me that I need to do to overcome this obstacle that somebody's clearly put in our path, and it is to make sure that you achieve. And like I said previously, affirmative action may have assisted me in getting me in the door. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it keeps you there because there's a lot of people that get into college that also get on academic pro probation because they feel, okay, now they're there, they're entitled, or they just, you know, go buck wild and start, you know, living the best life that they've had outside of their parents' control and management. That is not the way that I looked at it. I looked at it as an opportunity. So for me, it was a blessing. It was like, okay, even though I'm here because you may have had, you know, what they considered a set-aside or quota, for me, it's an opportunity that, based on the history of America and, and, and colonialism and where we are, this is an opportunity for me to get in the door so that those who can achieve will achieve and be equally um, on foot with, you know, our peers who are not of our um, socioeconomic background, or culture, or heritage. Um, so it was a devastating blow, and I think that it will shape the, the way that the um, enrollment moves forward, but that's not to say that, you know, kids of color can't still achieve and accomplish their goals in other ways, whether it's you don't necessarily have to go to a four-year university. You can start at a two-year university. I tell people you can also go to trade and technical school, um, but be the best that you can be at whatever it is that you're doing. Be determined. Um, have your objectives. Um, you know, stay focused and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something just because you don't look like them or you don't come from where they come from or you don't have that legacy of, you know, family history um, uh, that kind of gets them in the door. But it's, I mean, it's a devastating blow and it's, it's unfortunate that, that that happened, but it's not the end all. That just means that we have to persevere and be better people. So tell me what an immigration attorney does. Let's find that out. Talk about that. Talk about what you do. So I started, as you know, Catholic Charities because they were looking for somebody to work with refugee services, which was an incredible and awe-inspiring opportunity to meet people from all over the world who had been resettled through the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is um, uh, uh, 
agency that kind of gets grants through the federal government to resettle individuals coming from war-torn um, countries. For now, it's been like you know Syrian refugees, Afghan refugees, Haitian refugees, people who are coming from Iraq at the conclusion of that um, war, um, people who are coming from Ukraine. So what I do as an immigration attorney now is just assist people with finding out what immigration process they need to legalize their status. If they're not just, you know, refugees or displaced people because of war or famine or drought or other natural disasters, um, then it's people who are migrating through family reunification. So people who are, um, to use that buzzword, anchor relatives who've come over in previous waves, whether it was the 1960s when you know people were migrating because of all of um, the independence movements across the globe because colonialism was kind of coming to an end, um, to people who have migrated for economic reasons. So what I do is assist with the paperwork process, navigating the rules and regulations um, through the Immigration and Nationality Act, uh, which is a huge, vast body of law that tells you who can come, when they can come, why they can come, um, how they can come, how much they need to pay in order to get here. And for those also who may be here illegally, who've crossed by border, who were smuggled in, who were, um, uh, you know, came on uh, sea, by seaport as well, um, uh, and may be uh, discovered by Immigration and Customs Enforcement who need to go through the immigration court to then try to successfully defend um, their status in the United States. So I do all of that, including also help individuals who are overseas trying to get through a U.S. embassy to come through the visa process. So it's it's part and parcel of many different things that I do as an immigration attorney, from helping people who are already physically in the United States on a temporary visa status convert that to a more permanent status, people who are overseas trying to come in, or people who have been resettled here also try to get additional um, status or services or bring other family members uh, to join them uh, for family reunification. So I do applications. I do uh, immigration uh, deportation defense um, as an immigration attorney, but that doesn't limit what I do as an attorney because there are other practice areas that I engage in as well. We are going to take our final break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask Mama Immigration Attorney about trying to steer some young people on their career path. So if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison, and I think I found a way to help you understand what is Chill Out Jazz. Some of y'all may
Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us tomorrow. SAMU School of Law professor Mark Dorison is going to join us, so make sure you join us at 11.30 a.m. And in the meantime, we are back with immigration attorney Nadine Brown. And if you have questions or comments in the last few minutes we have left, the number is 516-387-1944. You have young people, Nadine. I do. <laughs> okay. And so in in the midst of all of the uh turmoil that you deal with um, from the job, you have to kind of navigate the best path for your children. Can you talk about that a little bit? It is a challenge being a parent, period, Um, let alone, you know, children in the United States who sometimes um, come off as entitled or, um, you know, just a little pretentious or arrogant. Um, but it's always making sure that they have you know, an understanding of what humility is and understanding themselves in the context of everybody else. So a driving factor of, besides being determined is also having perspective. And I've spoken about this before, but you know, teaching my children that they should be um, aware of you know, their situation in relationship to other people because if we're going to be good people, good stewards, good human beings, and it's always understanding your position in relation to everybody else because that's how you define who you are and how you can maintain your confidence without feeling or being entitled or arrogant when you're dealing with other people Um, because that's what I do both as a professional but also personally, and that's what I try to teach my children. So in, you know, trying to achieve your life goals is, you know, not deliberately stepping on other people or feeling that you have to achieve by putting other people down or undermining, you know, other people's objectives and goals as well. Because I believe that we can all get along um, to some extent. We don't necessarily have to be competing uh, with one another to the detriment of each other and destroy. Because I'm about building community, building people up, being a bridge and a connection between my clients and the broader world. Um, as I advocate for immigrants, but in every other aspect, if it's family law, you know, the divisions and conflicts that people have. So for my children, is teaching them to have perspective where they are in relation to other people so that they don't feel entitled or become arrogant so that they know they are blessed and why they are blessed because of either my hard work or their own accomplishments. Um, and when it comes to academics as well, it's staying focused, whether it's singularly focused, not necessarily achieving an A, but making sure that you learn, which is the purpose of going to school. So I may have a student in my household that, for lack of a better word, may be lazy or unmotivated, whereas I have another that's a high achiever that wants to, you know, bust out and go to college like right now, but you haven't even started high school yet. But it's understanding that it's not about getting an A. It's not necessarily about going to college. It's making sure that on the journey you learn what you're supposed to learn, whether it's as a human being or in the actual foundational course that is teaching you, whether it's science or it's English, it's, you know, art or it's social studies. So it's being aware of where you are in time in the moment and understanding that and then moving forward from there. Um, So for my kids and for me and for anybody that is listening, it's understanding perspective, um, you know, and and being driven and determined. 
But ma, you know, it's we didn't have we don't have to go through all this stuff. You it's so different. Come on, ma. <laughs> I'm sure you're getting some of that, right? That, that their experience is not the same as yours and stuff. Um, I, I do and I don't, and how I address that is something brilliant I heard recently that just, I mean, was like, you know, an epiphan, epiphanal moment, um, and it was that, um, you know, not all of us is going to get into the kingdom of heaven, and it's like, and it's an individual, right. it's and, and it's an individual journey. So I can pray for you and I can hope for you, but I can't get you there. It's a choice you mm. have to make in accepting Jesus. Um, for example, so I use that yeah. to hit him with that, and then it's like, oh, it's, so I can take you to church, and I can pray for you, and I can show you the Bible, but if you don't, in your heart of heart, accept accept it or seek after it yourself, it does mm-hmm. mean nothing. I've all, I, it's like set the, you know, go after the path that has been set before you, run your race. So I tell them mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, I've I've carried the mantle this far. It's just like our predecessors in the civil rights movement, Dave you know, carried it so far, and then now they're passing the baton to you. So I'm like, okay, you may be living well on my education and the, the things that I've done to get to where I am, but now. what you do after you turn 18 and you graduate high school, it's all on you. So mm. don't rest on my laurels or what the ancestors did or what I did. That got you to a point, but then you got to take it the rest of the way and run your own race, you know, Go for the path that has been set before you. So that's what I teach them, and that's what I would say. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing what I need to do. As you know, the, the local saying now is, "You do you," which is good and bad. But I've done mm-hmm. what I need to do. You need to do what you need to do because it's an individual race. Uh, so let me ask you: Do you says. find that um, unfortunate incidents, um, such as the uh, George Floyd murder, uh, provide a reset button for your children and, and for children of color that you know of? Um, I hope that it did. I recently went to go visit the memorial um, on an impromptu trip, and I think that was also God-ordained. Um, and I and I hope that people would continue to be aware and not let events like that or, you know, recent occurrences kind of fall by the wayside. And it's like, you know, that was just a blip on the news on the news feed that one day or we had protests and that was, you know, 2020 and now we're in 2023, fast forward. Um, But the elections will be upon us. And it's like you can't forget, you know, history and how you got to where you are and and things that are still going on. So I hope that it's not a reset, but it's an ongoing communication, um, you know, point of, of, of discussion. Um, so it's it's like we can't just like let the mantle rest. We can't just you know fall back asleep. We can't just be unaware. Just go about business as usual. It's to make sure that you know whether it's my kids or anybody else's kids of this generation, um, stay focused, stay aware, stay vigilant. Um, you know because the enemy is like a prowling lion looking whom he can devour Um, he does not sleep nor does he slumber neither does our lord so guess what you need to always be on guard always be aware always stay focused 
um, on what you need to do as a human being um, and as a person of color living in America in 2023, despite all the the accomplishments that um, our predecessors, myself and and present company, has achieved, um, we still need to achieve. There's a long way to go. It's how can we make America better Um, because there's never like an end point. So students out there that may consider a path that you've taken, um, are, are there, like, people out there, can, should they, you know, do they contact an immigration attorney and say, hey, can I, can I shadow you? Are there, like, can they go to, like, law proceedings, legal proceedings so, and, and sit yes, in on them? So the, a lot of the, the public courthouses are open to the public. There's some um, in-camera proceedings where it may be closed, but a lot of, um, you know, the courthouses are open. If there are trials or, or hearings that are going on, you can sit in the back of the court. Um, I know that I've had in the past a lot of legal studies students from University of Central Florida or different programs, uh, University of Florida, that may need mentorship. And, you know, I'm open to it. A lot of other people are open to it. Um, our profession doesn't have that much of apprenticeship, but we do mentorship. Um, there's, you know, engagements where we can go and speak. If you can hear an attorney speak at a bar function or some kind of meeting, then that's helpful. But definitely reaching out, uh, you know, just to have a conversation with it's with a high school student. I know that when I was a high schooler um, and there was an internship, a summer internship program, I engaged in that, and that kind of gave me um, an introduction to kind of you know, down the line. And I knew I did not want to do criminal law because of that, because I was with the public defender's office, but I was 18 at the time. Fast forward, still a career in law, but different aspect of it. So you can, you know, do a summer internship. You can reach out for mentorship or just have a conversation over coffee. Um, Somebody that's in their first year of law school even, um, I've discussed with, and it's just a matter of, you know, opening your eyes and your mind to all the possibilities in your career field. It doesn't necessarily Lawyers don't always have to go to court. Um, lawyers don't always have to do transactional. It's just a matter of who you are, where you are, what you want to accomplish in life, and, and just reach out um, to get the information. I was going to ask you, do you spend more time in the courtroom or out of the courtroom with the, the type of work you do? The Most of it is out of the courtroom, and the best lawyer is one that, you know, keeps your client out of the courtroom because, you know, that in and of itself is a very unpredictable and extremely uncomfortable environment to be in. So if you're, a, my opinion, if you're a good attorney, you're going to try to keep your client away from court as much as possible. Every now and again, when you have to go there, um, then you do, and you do the best job that you can for your client for that day. But most of my work is outside the courtroom. Attorney Brown, for those that are in need of your services, how do we get in contact with you? So you can reach out on phone, 407-678-2224, or by email. I still do a majority of virtual services um, because I have school-aged children that I am also um, managing and parenting and, and schooling. Um, but um, online, my credentials are at my website, nadinebrownpa.com. You can learn all about me in the areas in which I practice, and um, I look forward to assisting and informing and educating anyone who comes to me for information or advice. Nadine, always a, a blessing to have you on, and um, I will probably have you back soon whenever you have some time, but thank you for taking the time today. I think you've really um, given
given out some information and some guidance that should be really impactful and, and that hopefully someone will take away and, and apply and, and help our, our students as they make their uh, career choices, their, their class choices, um, their internship choices, and, and, what a, and, and mentorship choices along the way. So thank you very, very much for that. And thank you for having me. Have a blessed day. You too. And thank you all for listening. God willing, talk to you tomorrow. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Again, it's hot out there. Stay hydrated. Be well. Be safe. Be blessed. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>